says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me to preview all of the Round 11 action for Big Road Trip to Canberra is my good mate, 60s. It's a triple header on Saturday, Big Fella, and we're out at the Leagues Club. But how are you holding up as we get into the preparatory sort of phase of the podcasting? Mate, it's been a big week on the Cumberland Throw with content. We've got, as you mentioned, we've got this podcast that we're doing right now. We've got our appearance at Parramatta Leagues Club for people that want to watch the game in the company of fellow supporters in Jack's Bar and Grill. Come and join us. We'll start the preview at 7 o'clock and we'll hit the preview, switch to the big screen for the match, then do our instant reaction straight after. So looking forward to seeing uh, more of you there this week. And, uh, yeah, uh, big news that we probably need to start off with uh, in this preview podcast mate yeah and we'll probably uh, end up discussing with clint in the nrl news podcast next week but uh just a heads up now the eels have had some action in both the nrlw and nrl squads today and yesterday uh starting with the ladies in the nrlw 60s uh we had a pair of signings or one was a re-signing uh cassie tohihiku if you were watching the city vs country game was a uh, very sharp at fullback she's re-signed with the Parramatta eels alongside a newcomer in mahalia murphy uh, who I believe can play uh, centre, but also a few other positions. So a bit of positional flexibility there, uh, but very, very exciting stuff there for the NRLW. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Mahalia is a Western Sydney girl, uh, went to Hills Sports High as a teenager. And has so, repped Aussie uh, Rugby Sevens, Wallaroos and Jillaroos. Uh, so yes, she brings yes. some, some real extensive representative quality to the Paramount Reels. Yeah, and Cassie was playing on the wing with us last year, but we saw from her performance at fullback that the Eels might just have their fullback mm-hmm. for the coming season. So we were wondering uh, what what was in store in that key spine position. Well, I think we've just seen uh, what the uh, plans may just be for this year. So, um, mate, but uh, as we... Uh, as we also know, there's big NRL news. Yeah. Um, Eels have moved to lock down one of their breakout players of the 2023 season, Jermaine Hopgood. Uh, it's just a one-year extension on his current deal, but it sees him locked up in the blue and gold to the end of 2025. Uh, very nice move there. Eels has been on the front foot with one of their uh, best players this year and one of the, the real young players to help build around for this team. Well, we couldn't have a repeat of what happened with Ice where he had that breakout season with us and because he was only on a two-year deal, he became uh, a, you know, other clubs were able to negotiate mm-hmm. with him from November and um, after his first year and lo and behold, he's one year with us and then we learn he's going to be off to another club in the Tigers at the end of his second year. So this does cut that... Uh, that likelihood of that happening around Jermaine um, and gives a, a chance for both parties to become a little bit more settled for negotiating any uh, further yeah, um, exactly. deals with the club. So rather than having to rush into anything, I think it's a good deal for both 
parties to have an extra year locked in, settle in, find out what uh, what each party likes about each other, and then yeah, move into securing maybe something a little bit longer term. But a three year it, it effectively means he's been he's now here on a three year deal if we if we factor it in as an extension on his current deal, and and that's a good length contract in this day in the uh, NRL. So, um, mate, but before we get into our preview, a huge thanks to our sponsors, that being Big Swing Golf at North Mead and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norellan and Parramatta. Without their support, basically the, a lot of what happens on the Cumberland Throw would not happen. Mm-hmm. So uh, our thanks to them and uh, let's launch into the preview. Yeah, let's get into it. All three grades on the road to the nation's capital, Flag Cup and NRL playing the Canberra Raiders this week, 60s. It's a big, big road trip for many, many reasons now. So let's start with the Flag. They're coming off their buy, their second buy, which is the second, I think, uh, competition-wide mandated buy. Uh, and they're coming off that with some serious reinforcements this week. Let's go through the team very quickly. Uh, at fullback, Lindsay Munro. On the wings, Matthew Komalafi. And one of the young guns, Richard Penasini, younger brother Will, he makes his flag debut. Uh, in the centres, we've got Terrell Williams and Samuel Luizu. In the halves, Mac Pafisi moves to 5'8", because Ethan Sanders is back in flag, the second of five of the SG Ball premiers promoted to this grade. In the front row, Noah Reed and Jonte Jr. Beffen-Miza are the bookends. Jacob Davis is a starting dummy half. Jock Brazel will captain the team on the left edge. Will Latu moves from the backs to the right edge. And then Saxon Pryke, another member of that SG Board Premier team, and another already graded uh, flag player alongside Sanders. He'll start at lock forward. On the interchange, Ned Hicks, Nikar Raffor, Sam Tulavati, the fourth SG Board player, and Lachlan Mintz Crab. And the fifth and final SG Board player to get a look in the flag this week is playing as the 18th man, and that's Lance Fulalima. Taking on the Raiders for the second time this season, 60s, where they lost in round one, 20 to 14, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yes, yes. And uh, it since, was, sorry. yeah, sorry. I was going to say, since then, it's been some, I wouldn't say contrasting fortunes because it's not like the Eels have, you know, uh, won every game, but they've been solid since and they've gone four and four uh, total on the season uh, to sit in sixth place, whereas the Raiders have won just one more game since uh, and now sit in second last in 11th place. Well, what I will say from that match is that I was left dumbfounded as to how they lost. It was almost how we were feeling last week after the NRL match between the Eels and the Titans. The flag team that week seemed, in any way that they could find for something to go wrong, they seemed to find it, even to the extent where we became the first team penalised for holding the ball in the scrum. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that... That will that will tell you how how that match uh, played out. So uh, the Eels looked a far more dangerous team against the Raiders, but as we know in rugby league, results don't always go with the flow of the game, and that was certainly the case then. We now see, as you said, all those elevations from the SG Ball team, and just a mention as well, uh, Richard Penasini is only eighteen this year. And uh, Sam Tuavaiti is only eighteen this year. You were not looking at him, but yeah, <laughs> both were playing. Both were playing Harold Matts last yeah, season. So in their so junior year of SG Ball agility. Yeah, yeah, they were. They they 
could run around in SG ball again next year. And we did see um, that being the case with Ethan Sanders, who was elevated to flag last year and basically played the entire season in Jersey flag, but came back to uh, have his second season of SG ball before being immediately elevated this week into the Jersey flag team. And if we consider that it's only two weeks ago that we had that SG Ball Grand Final, and of course there was, as you mentioned, the bye last week in the Jersey flag, they've literally been immediate call-ups for the Jersey flag team. Now, I want to allay maybe some thoughts that people might have about them being rushed in, into the team. The A large number of the SG Ball uh, squad, and it was somewhere about eight to ten players, trained with the, uh, first of all, trained with some of the Jersey Peg players in the NRL preseason prior to Christmas. Mm-hmm. And when they weren't training with the NRL team, they were training with the Jersey Flag team. So there is a lot of familiarity uh, within the group. Um, so these aren't necessarily uh, players that you know, their teammates are unfamiliar with. If they haven't played with them at some stage in the past, they've certainly trained with them uh, for an extended period over the preseason. Yeah, so really looking forward to seeing how this new look team jives. Um, and it might, you, you talked about training together 60s, uh, given the sort of time lapse in terms of in-season now, it might take them a game or two to get back to full speed, but I expect them to play pretty well together and mesh pretty nicely against the Canberra Raiders. But it is going to be a tough road trip, uh, especially for the Jersey flag, because you're not provided with the same resources as the NRL team when it comes to uh, prep and travel for this sort of thing. Uh, but they've shown that they can take care of business against pretty good teams this year. So I'm looking forward to, well, we won't be able to see them, unfortunately, uh, because this is not going to be broadcasted. Uh, but we'll have to wait to get some feedback on this one, mate. But I am looking forward to seeing how they compete on the big road trip. Yeah, yeah. Look, looking forward to the feedback, being able to watch a bit of vision of the match. And, uh, yeah, best of luck, not only to the, uh, the the players that have been doing the job for the Jersey flag team so far this season, but also the uh, additions from the SG ball. Uh, and knowing... Uh, Coach Craig Brennan, as we do, um, he'll he'll have them all gelling very, very quickly and a, in this team. A couple other players to watch out for in the coming weeks uh, from that SG Ball team include the likes of, uh, obviously, Matt Arthur and Blaze Talungi 60s, but for differing reasons, they're not available for selection this week, I believe. One due to suspension for Woods, and then I think Blaze got a, a nasty cork out of the City vs. Country game. Yeah, yeah, so... For anyone that uh, wasn't aware, yes, you had that injury to Blaze, which I think from memory was the first half. Yeah, I think at the end of the century, the first quarter, 20, yeah. 20-ish minutes in, uh, he ended up uh, dropping out of the field, off the field. Sorry. Yeah, and um, and also Young Woods, he got uh, he copped a two-week suspension for a crusher tackle mm-hmm. in the grand final. Uh, look, I, I don't think there was too much in it, but, uh, uh, you know, they're they are pretty harsh on anything where there's a bit of pressure on the neck and evidently um, it wasn't worth the while to um, challenge that. So Woods has a couple of weeks out from the game, but no doubt will come into contention for a flag uh, dummy half role in the not too distant future. And that brings us to the second of the three fixtures out at GIO Stadium. 
Uh, this one kicking off at 5.20pm. The 5th place Raiders hosting the 7th place Eels. So this is a top 8 affair. Uh, again, the Raiders got the Eels in round 1 when these two teams first met. Uh, I think it was 16-10 in this one, 60s. If I'm not yes. mistaken. Yep. Another dour and not necessarily uh, aesthetic uh, game for the spectators on the sidelines, including yourself. But a different looking team this time around, 60s. Walk me through what happened in round one. Well, in round one, it was, if you remember, we were struggling to win a game in any grade in round one. And uh, the Eels, it was, it was again a matter of just completions, errors at the wrong time. Uh, interestingly, running around for the Raiders in uh, that round match was Jared Croker. Mm-hmm. And, and it turns and out he's in decent touch. Yes, it, it has. It has since certainly turned out that he's in decent touch. But again, it was a match that you left scratching your head thinking, how have we let this get away? And it, yeah, frustrating on the sidelines. It was the, the double header there where... Unfortunately, we had both the Jersey flag and the New South Wales Cup teams losing what was very winnable matches. So um, it's and, and look, there's going to be a challenge for the team this week as you're about to run through with the uh, with the team list. Um, there's um, changes and uh, and a big one too with the elevation of Jake Arthur. Yeah, yeah. No Mitchell Moses in NRL means no Jake Arthur in New South Wales Cup. So we start at fullback where Dejan Arce will hold down the number one. Isaac Lumi-Lumi and Chris Tupo are on the flanks. Sean Russell and Zach Senior in the centres. In the halves, well, Jordan Rankin, he's going to be the halfback this week. No real surprises there, 60s. But his partner, um, Jaden Yates, probably not the player I would have tipped initially, but uh, knowing Yates, he's going to do a really solid job and give his everything to the task. In the front row, off of Hickey Ogden. Hopefully he can t- hopefully, sorry. He can continue a rich run of form now. It's been a couple of really strong games for him, um, and he'll be working alongside Jeremiah Messia. Manny Luke is the dummy half. In the back row, Matt Dury and Dan Keir, who returns. Uh, they're going to be on the edges. Luca Moretti is the lock forward. On the interchange, uh, Tony Matelli, Tavita Taumapenu. Good to see Kai Rodwell back. He's been out for a couple of weeks. Well, I don't know if it's injury or suspension. And then Nick Lenars is a very worthy promotion from the Jersey flag. He's going to be the lock slash dummy half utility. And yeah, he's been in really good touch in Jersey flag and no surprise to see him caught up for this game, big fella. Yeah. I mean, we're obviously big fans of Nick. He's, he's one of those players that just rips in in both sides of the game, isn't he? You know, whether he's, he's defending or whether he's, um, you know, doing hit ups if he's playing at lock or, or just, you know, getting, so busy at that dummy half role if he's required to fill in there. What we've seen in Jersey Flegg is that he starts the game at lock and then would go to dummy half when the uh, when the dummy half is rested. So it's uh, that, that being uh, Jacob Davis. So we've seen him in that utility role, but he's obviously coming off the bench and they, they have that option about whether they want to give many Luke a, a bit of a rest or not. And if they decide to play him for the 80 minutes of the game, then of course, Nick could be used as we said, as that, as that lock or back row sort of position. So um, yeah, congratulations to him on the, on the call up. It's always good to see pathways players progress 
in the into the senior grade. So, um, yeah, but mate, how um, how they will play Jaden Yates remains to be seen. Like you have to think to yourself that Dejan Arcy might come up and do a little bit more ball play. Yeah. Then, um, I mean, fullbacks these days are an extension of the halves, but you have to think that, uh, of course, when Jaden was younger, he did play uh, quite a bit of football around the halves, uh, but and, and especially at club level. But it's it's been a while since he's. Oh, look, he. No, I shouldn't say that because he's he has also filled in at training over the preseason in in that role in in the post work. So he he's been in and around there, and I guess if you have as many receipts of the ball. Um, or you handle the ball as much as you do in at dummy half, that you've got some fair passing skills there. But it's that extra game management, isn't it, that's required of the uh, of the halves position. So uh, yeah, I, I suspect Dejan will probably you know step into the breach there. Yep, and uh, given that there's no Jake Yates, Arcee, and Rankin have to combine and sort of filling in the gap with the uh, aggregate of work there. And they're taking on a, a Raiders team. There's some surprising names in this one, mate. Uh, Xavier Savage, Harley Smith-Shields, another good young uh, back out, outside back uh, in in the nation's capital there. Uh, Trey Mooney, again, sort of playing his trade in reserve grade as the captain. Uh, can't quite crack that NRL team. And then Corey Harawira Naira. So, and then you've got the young gun Chevy Stewart on the interchange. No surprise to see him back in our New South Wales Cup 60s. He was on a very meteoric rise prior to the uh, SG Ball Grand Final Qualifier where they caught him back against the Eels only to get done in in a very, very good game. But Now, we, we, not, we don't follow the Raiders closely enough to maybe make a decent call on this, but I'm a bit confused as to why Corey Harawira Naira is playing in New South Wales Xavier Cup. Savage, Harawira Naira... Even um, Harley Smith Shields. I mean, I know you've got to have depth in your top 30, but uh, Savage was actually just outright dropped with the return of another back in uh, the NRL team. So, Albert Hopawati. Yeah, Albert Hopawati, exactly. So I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's a, what, what's going on there because Savage has had a on and off relationship with the Raiders, hasn't he? He's been a very talented young back, but hasn't been able to consistently crack their first grade team. You'd have to suggest that given those players that they've got in the team uh, this week, that they will perform quite strongly, this mm. Raiders New South Wales Absolutely. Cup team. They, they do sit above the eels on the ladder, only just. Uh, but, you know, then again, the West Magpies were sitting above the eels in the new, on the New South Wales Cup ladder. So, and, and the eels just got the job done last week. I think... High scoring affair. Yeah. yeah, it was a high-scoring affair, yeah, 32-30. But, yeah, gee, I look at this and I think, you know, it it is going to be the challenge for the Eels to play with without Jake Arthur, who's, I mean, not he's not just the halfback. He's probably been their most consistent performer this season. So it's it's going to be it's going to be a challenge for him. Uh, of course, there was the the uh, newspaper talk as well about. Uh, Jake being on the radar of some other clubs and mm-hmm. that there may be a move for him uh, at the end of this season to another club, if not 
they're even suggesting it might be a mid-season move to another club. Yeah, if that August uh, one deadline. Yeah, I, look, I, I would. I mean, my first thought would be I'd be surprised if BA would allow that to happen mid-season, given the um, the situation that we have this week, where he's required for the uh, head knock to to Mitch Moses. I mean, the the way things are with the concussion protocols. You you cannot predict. I mean, you can't predict any injury, but it can happen in the in the simplest circumstance these days, can't it? The category one concussion, and as soon as you have that happen, you've got uh, that mandatory eleven day stand down. Yep. So it's you have to have your backup players, and uh, what's the Eels' options outside of Jake Arthur if anything were to happen to? Dylan or uh, Mitch. Yeah, you got obviously you got, you got the manufactured options in the NRL team like Bryce Cartwright uh, or Ryan Madison, I suppose, at a pinch. Uh, but after that, you're looking at Dejan Arcee, uh and then beyond that, well, you're looking at a very very young rookie option probably, which you just yeah, not going to. Or you're looking you're looking at that. I mean, you you mentioned one reshuffle. You could be looking at a reshuffle like Gutho into the True. halves. Um, and and you know maybe someone like Deja to to fullback, but it's those sorts of scenarios aren't ideal. You like to replace like for that's like. right. And and Jake moving on to further his career at the end of the season is completely different prospect because Eels will be able to have a you know half a year of uh, in terms of game time prepping someone like Ethan Sanders uh, or you know whoever else they need to do. Uh, so, yeah, not expecting the Eels to release Jake mid-season, but wouldn't be surprised to see him move on uh, because this is a real crossroads for his career in terms of uh, finding traction as an NRL or pr- prospective NRL halfback, isn't it? Well, it is because once you're, you're looking at the long-term deals that have been signed by Mitch Moses and Dylan Brown, unless Jake's going to be content to be the old-fashioned club stalwart and run around in reserve grade, as as a halfback for the next half a decade, then and look, these days no one who aspires to be a professional footballer is likely to do that. Not when and we know that there are clubs that are making inquiries about Jake's services because there is a dearth of um, quality halfbacks mm-hmm. in the NRL, and um, yeah, so. I I couldn't see him uh, sticking around as much as you know the fact that uh, BA uh, is his father. He's he doesn't get any any preferential treatment with the Eels. I mean the Eels have just signed Dylan Brown and Mitch Moses. It's that's it's his path to NRL is blocked for years to come. So unless he does as has been suggested look at a change of position, and I don't see that on the horizon anytime soon. If that was going to happen, they would have started planning for that already and he would have been getting game time yeah. in other positions. Yes. Um, you know, the option is for him to move on as as probably as unwilling as he might be or, um, you know, I guess this is the, the tough uh, position for uh, Brad to be in because he's he's his coach and he's also his father. So... He, he has to be, you know, if Jake went to him for advice, he has to be giving him the the best advice that a father can give. And, you know, 
take off his his coach's hat in that instance. So it's not ideal, and maybe because it's not ideal, who knows? That might be the best option for Jake to to pursue. But um, you know, I, I think I've made my thoughts on on Jake pretty clear in the past. I think he's got that potential to play in other positions. So anyway, we'll see what transpires. Yes, indeed. And it's going to be a big one for the Eels in this grade. So if we can get the win, it'll shore up their spot inside the top eight and help them, uh, I think, maybe leapfrog the Canberra Raiders if I just check out the ladder. Uh, they're on equal wins, so they will. But the Raiders have a – no, both teams have a draw. Uh, so they'll uh, just out, out the leapfrog the Canberra Raiders outright by one win if they do get the W on Saturday. And that brings us to the main event, which kicks off at 7.35 p.m. out at GIO Stadium be live on Fox and KO. And, and of course, the reminder, they can come, uh, yep. people can come and join us in Jack's Bar and Grill and in Paraleagues, but we'll be on from 7 o'clock with the preview. Yep. So again, another plug, another reminder that we're on there. And if you if you don't want to sit at home or, or maybe you don't have pay TV and you'd like to be able to watch the match, you don't want to make the drive down to a cold GIO stadium in Canberra, get in there, join us for a, a feed, a drink, a bit of footy talk, the footy on the big screen. Um, and don't worry, we uh, even if, even when we're doing our, our chats up there, we keep an eye on the big screen. If there's any um, interviews with the players or the coach, whatever the, the case may be, we flick over, get that on the screen for you. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's a good night there. Uh, come and join us. Yeah, and if you're, you're looking at the menu, you see a schnitzel for $40 or thereabouts, you got to know what you're getting into. It's not a normal <laughs> schnitzel. It's a uh, schnitzel for two or three people, so you get good value out of it. Yes, yes. We could we could recommend that. It was uh, it was tried by someone at our table last week, and, yeah, it took three people to get through it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's, uh, we'll, we'll recommend the, uh, the loaded schnitzel there for people that see very, that. For, very good uh, value for sure. Uh, so let's start with the home team, our opposition this week, 60s. Dramatic 31-30 win against the Dolphins where they had a missed knock-on in extra time, allowing them to kick the game-winning field goal. Backed that up last week in Magic Round for a very high-scoring affair against the Canterbury Bulldogs. I think it was 34-30 in that one. So uh, they're actually on a four-game win streak, uh, but their most notable scalp in that streak is the Brisbane Broncos handing them their lone defeat of the season until this week. Uh, but up until then, it had been their lone defeat. Uh, but, yeah, they're beating up on the Dolphins, the Dogs, and I think the Dragons was the other team in that run there. So it's hard to get a scope on their form because they haven't had the greatest of opposition, again, greatest of opposition in all those games, but they've done the job, which means they're, they're by far the form team this week, and they look like this. Uh, Sebastian Chris, uh, he's going to be at fullback as he continues that transition from centres to uh, the custodial role. Albert Hopawade is back this week. He'll go on to one wing with Jordan Rappiner, the uh, constant Parramatta Eels killer on the other wing. Jared Croker, we already spoke about him, 60s. He's marching towards 300 this year, 300 in row caps. And he partners Matthew Tomoko in the centres. Jack White and Jamal Fogarty are in the halves. Josh Papali'i spearheads their forward pack alongside the outstanding Joseph Tapane. Zach Wolford's a dummy half. In the back row, you've got Hudson Young, Elliot Whitehead, and Corey Horsborough, who's in the mid of, uh, midst of a massive breakout campaign this year and is probably going to own NRL, uh, NRL uh, State of Origin selection, sorry, for the Queensland Maroons in the com- uh, coming weeks. On the interchange, you've got the live wire Tom Starling, Emre Gula, who just re-signed to the end of 2025, I believe, with the Raiders, Pasami Salo and Ata Mariotto, 
And then they extended the change, Xavier Savage, Howie Smith-Shields, Corey Harawira, Nayero, Trey Mooney, and Hohepa Puru, all members of that cup team that's going to be uh, taking place as the curtain raiser. Uh, pretty good team, 60s. Uh, big physical outside backs, really solid forward pack. It almost sounds like our kryptonite right now, given our problems with the collisions. Yeah, it it does. You mentioned before about uh, Jordan Rupp, and I, I've, I've noted in the past that he must surely get out the highlighter and circle the dates of the games against the Parramatta Eels on his calendar because going all the way back to when we had Semi running around and destroying opposition sides out on the wing, um, he, he, he was owned by Jordan Rapana every time they played. It didn't matter how good Semi was going. Uh, Rapana would own him every single time. He, he just would, he, you know, Semi would show him a bit of space, you know, to get him to go around his outside and Rapana would go, thank you very much. I'll take that. <laughs> it was just, it, it was, it, it was almost like he reserved some of his best, if not most annoying football for when he plays the Eels. And I'm always wary of the Raiders uh, as much for his participation as any as any other reason. But you're looking at a forward pack which is travelling really, really well at the moment with the Raiders. Look, the other thing I'm concerned about with the Raiders is it seems like every match that they're involved in has some form of controversy. And it's and it's they're very much swings and roundabouts. They'll either have it go their way in a big way or it'll go the, against them in a big way. Like you can you know that you're gonna get the post match blow up every second week from <laughs> Ricky yeah. because something happens. I mean, he he's not doing it without cause. I mean, he might he blows up more than than the typical NRL coach will, but you know he does get some go his way as well. For example, that the um, that knock on that was missed yeah. prior, you know, in the lead up to that winning field goal against the Dolphins. Mum's the word, but that's the case exactly. But then last week, I thought they had a number of calls, in, including the lead up to the last try that the uh, Bulldogs got against them. So, um, yeah, it, it's. I just hope that we get a match where there is no refereeing controversy because, goodness knows, we can do without refereeing <laughs> controversies, mate. Well, relying oh, on um, Grant Atkins and Casey Badger as the uh, two main officials there, one with the uh, on-field ref being Atkins and the box official being Badger. Uh, so... Uh, video video box official being Badger, uh, yeah. So I don't know, mate. Where um, might be oh. tough. Might be tough sledding. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm just going to keep the fingers crossed that officiating isn't a factor. That's that's all I can say. So well, uh, you control what you can only control. Sixties, and to do that, the Eels have picked these seventeen players. Uh, I think it's just the one change actually to the lineup, given that Mitch Moses is a mandatory stand-down due to a Category 1 concussion, which, by the way, you know, credit to the Eels for doing the right thing there, but on the flip side, last night with the uh, South, uh, South Sydney Raptors, the Brisbane Broncos, uh, Adam Reynolds, I know that they're saying it was a neck injury, but he hits the ground and doesn't get up, which shows concussion symptoms, and they call it a Cat 2, so he's available for this week, for next week. Uh, 
you know, didn't move and need to be medicabbed off the ground. So, yeah. you know, again, the uh, the system may be being gamed a little bit there. Uh, but yeah. the Eels start with their fullback and captain, Quinton Gufferson, uh, Mike Acevo and Hayes Dunster, alongside Will Penasini, Bally Simonson, round out an unchanged back five. Uh, in the halves, though, Dylan Brown, who had his best game of the season against the Gold Coast Titans, just couldn't get into Eels home, unfortunately. But he'll partner Jake Arthur. Going to be very interesting to see what the dynamic between those two is. 60s, we'll talk about that shortly. Uh, whether they let Dylan play with the hot hand or let Jake steer the team around and try and find that balance. In the front row, uh, William McGregor continues his, I'm, I'm almost willing to call it a breakout campaign now, 60s. I think it's been a month of really good football for him, uh, both as a starter and off the interchange. But he continues that campaign, uh, and he's working alongside Junior Barlow, who we do need to see more of. Need the big fella really fire up this week, up against Papali'i, Tapane, and Horsburgh. Josh Hodgson faces off against his former club. Another player the Eels need to get a bit more out of uh, on both sides of the ball, but especially defensively with those missed tackles. Sean Lang works on the left, Andrew Davey on the right, and the recently re-signed Jermaine Hopgood starts at lock forward. On the interchange, you've got Bryce Cartwright, Brennan Hands, Ryan Madison, and Makahesi Makatoa. Extended roster features Sean Russell, Offa Hickey Ogden, Matt Dury, Dejan Arcee, and Kai Rodwell. Already mentioned, but the match officials, Atkins uh, with the main whistle. You've got Dave Munro and uh, Ziggy uh, Prezik Lassa Damsky on one on both the sidelines, sorry, with Casey Badger as the video official or the senior review official as it's now titled. Oh, yeah. Road trips to the nation's capital, always difficult for the Eel 60s, uh, especially when you're not in the greatest of touch. Yeah, the Eels, it's interesting though. The Eels, I think, have won their last two trips to Canberra and have won the last five or six games all up against the Raiders. So we've got some good recent form against them, including the shellacking that uh, we delivered in the final series last year. Now, of course, the Raiders are going to be smarting over that. Uh, That goes without saying. And being able to get the Eels on their home track for the next encounter is certainly weighs in their favour. I don't see any sort of similar scoreline coming the Eels' way this week. The inclusion of uh, Jake Arthur for Mitch Moses, well, what you're not going to see is Mitch Moses electrifying pace out of Jake. Now, Jake has uh, passable speed for a a halfback. I don't buy into the criticisms that say that he's the slowest halfback in the game. If you watch the way that he's been playing in the New South Wales Cup, he's he's very much an on-the-pace player. And uh, he's he simply has an awkward running style. He's just got that long, loping running style so that people just believe, that, think that he's running slower than, than what he is. But he's got passable pace, but he is not in the category of Mitch Moses. There, there aren't too many halfbacks that, have Moses elite pace. I mean, you've seen that week, you know, when, when Mitch Moses puts the foot to the floor to go through a gap, he leaves people, um, you know, grasping at thin air. And there, there's only a few halfbacks that are capable of, of that. Dylan Brown's probably um, capable of that himself. But Mitch Moses in, is in the elite class. And you've also seen that when he gets in the clear, 
he'll take on fullbacks and run around them and and sprint for corners. That the number of times we've seen him score those sorts of tries, that's what we have with with that's one of the assets that Mitch Moses possesses. What Jake Arthur possesses is those game management skills and the fact that he's a competitor. He'll be the player out there on the field who'll be chasing the whole game. If there's a if there's a line break made, he'll be the, one of the ones that's there chasing. You can guarantee it. So we're going to get his game management skills. We're going to get he's got a very good kicking game. We're going to get that. We're going to get his competitiveness, and we're also going to get his cool demeanour out there. He just doesn't get flustered. So you're not going to get the same type of player. But there are some positives from Jake coming in. Last NRL start for Jake, Manly last year. He helped spearhead, I suppose, an upset win, given that Mitchell Moses was out in that game too. Worked really nicely for Panasini down that right edge with the short kicks. Correct. So there was was certainly no negatives that came out of that that last starting performance uh, for the Eels. But you posed the question before. What's the what's the balance going to be like with Dylan Brown? Is Dylan Brown going to step up to take the lead hand in this? Are they are they going to have, uh, I suppose, a similar balance to what Brown has with Moses, which is Moses is probably the the um, dominant half, and Dylan Brown plays the um, that sort of running supporting type of role now. I think it's fair to say that last week Dylan Brown massively outplayed um, the performance of Mitch Moses. Mitch was having a very quiet game by his standards. It just wasn't happening for him. Um, So uh, Dylan did basically everything in his power to to carry the the Eels to a victory, but it it just didn't quite happen. Um, I don't know who. I mean... Do we want Dylan to change how he plays? I'm I'm not opposed need- to Dylan no. popping up on both sides of the ruck, uh, you know, just being that threatening ball runner in that sort of almost like pseudo second fullback role, really. Uh, you know, just get him that uh, bit wide uh, in those arrangements to you know get outside of the uh, half fullback role, I suppose, whichever one he feels you know more comfortable attacking, or even coming back in from the from the right edge back across the ruck if he can pick off a tiring forward. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing Dylan more involved in that regard. Um, and I think that he'll help with the fifth tackle kicking, uh, more so than he's done in the past, where it's been probably one of the more uh, criticised aspects of his game, for good reason. Uh, but I think this year he's been a lot tidier and more efficient in that regard, and he can help share load with Jake, who will do the primary long kicking. Yeah, I, I, look... We've seen in New South Wales Cup that Jake will play both sides of the of the ruck as well, so maybe it's an opportunity for a bit more combination between the halves. Yep. Um, as we do know Mitch will play both sides of the ruck as well. So, uh, will their game plan change too much? Maybe not. Maybe not at all. Um, and if the game plan isn't changing too much around what happens with the halves it comes back to where do we need to have this lift? Now, what we've seen is a passive defence from the Eels far too often or in periods during a game. 
and you and I have spoken about this, Forty. We've um, we've seen that they're still effective carrying the ball, but there's been far too much leeway given to the opposition. And when you're on your when you're on your heels, waiting for the attacking team to run at you, you're just giving up too much territory. And the Eels have been quite good with not conceding line breaks uh, this season. And yet, at the same time, we're one of the worst in the competition when it comes to uh, missed tackles and ineffective tackles. So we're, we're putting a lot of pressure on our own scramble to keep uh, defence, uh, to keep the attacking teams at bay. But um, we're still ultimately conceding a lot of points. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like, well, we are. We're, we're, I think we're basically conceding more tries than we are line breaks. So work that out. Work out how that's happening. It's basically happening because we're allowing opposition teams to get the territory. And, and becoming vulnerable uh, to attacking kicks. Correct. Correct. Yeah, so I, we, we need to see more from our forwards from uh, that, line speed and defensive aggression, I think. The, I mean, the old hit and stick, it just doesn't happen, does it? It's like, the, you know, we're bouncing off tackles or falling off tackles too easy. It, it, it's like they're... I mean, <clears throat> we will see some damage from someone like Wiramu when he decides that he's going to hit someone, they get hurt. But, of course, he doesn't have that mobility to cover um, the what might be happening on the edge of the ruck. Uh, he, he couldn't be picked out if he's getting back in defence uh, by a fast play the ball. And as we know, the Eels allow fast play the balls. Mm-hmm. And, and and this is this has come up for debate from supporters before that, you know, we're no good at the wrestle, we're allowed to quick play the balls. Look what happens the moment that we're slightly slower than we are normally. The referees hit the Eels with six agains or penalties, even when the play the ball is still fast. It, it, it is that the opposition play the ball is still faster than what the Eels are allowed. Like it, it does my head in. It does my head in. You know, like you, you say, you say to people, look, where you know the Eels are, make a concerted effort to not get penalised and not. Uh, and not have six agains called against them. Yet the moment there's the slightest slow up in in the uh, play the ball speed for an opposition team, referees are straight onto it. Uh, yeah, as I said, it really it really does my head in watching that ha- unfold in games. I mean, I can't complain that it happens too much because the the Eels dis- um, discipline is still so good that they're the the second least penalised. Uh, team and yet, and yet, in any given matchup, you're just concerned that we're going to get smashed by the whistle. That's why. Yes. Th- and this isn't a this isn't just like a two season to date sort of thing. This is across Brad Arthur's entire tenure as a head coach. He's been very strict on the discipline side of the game, making sure the Eels concede. You know, don't don't hand out penalties and flip field position. But instead, Mate, I've I've been there at preseason training. When he's been drilling that into the team, even when they had the the uh, players that were elevated from the jersey flag and SG ball into the uh, training in the uh, prior to Christmas, and he read the riot act 
about discipline to them and basically said there's no place for them in in the NRL in the future if they can't be disciplined in how they play their football. And so I mean this is it is drummed into the team about uh, about discipline and not giving away silly penalties. I'm sure that it is across all teams, but you know that it's something that the Eels had to work hard for because we know how badly penalised teams can be when they sit at the bottom of the table. That's It's been brought up by coaches time and time again. I mean, we literally just saw the Warriors' principal sponsor's CEO blowing up a century because of it. Like, yeah. to, to like, a, you know, he's going to get in trouble now because of it. Yeah. He's saying and, the quiet part out loud, but, you know. And the Eels have had to... Have to fight and grind their way out of that position for years. It's, it took years. We we used to bang on about the penalty counts. I mean, I, I, I can remember there was a classic penalty count when we flogged the, the Broncos where we put about 50 points yeah. on them, but we were still penalised something like 11-2 in that match. Yeah, same it thing was... against the Dragons in 2017, I think. I think it was both 2017. Uh, we played the Dragons and didn't get our first penalty until like the 70th minute of the game despite dominating that game. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 sometimes it's just diabolical how it how it plays out. But anyway, we 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 digress from what we were what we were talking about. We just need to see um, the defensive line not being so passive. We need to we need to see a bit of aggression in the hits. Yep. And um, you know, like we we were winning the middle against the Titans. Uh, but that was when we were getting a good run of possession as well. We we, we just have to make sure that there, we don't give opportunities by giving away simple metres, that we make it a real contest in that middle. And you spoke before that we need to see a bit more out of Junior. And I'm sure he'd be the first to agree that his form has not been what it was last season. And... I think, given that we're playing against his former team, I mean, Junior, of course, is an Eels uh, pathways player, but he spent those years down in uh, with the Raiders. Um, he's he's coming up against a good mate of his in Josh Papali'i, so there'll be a little bit of a there'll be something extra in the contest with the two of those players facing off. He's he's going to we. I'm pretty sure Junior's going to be as switched on as we've seen him all season in this match. And I'll come to that a bit later. Um, Sean Lane has has yet to recapture his 2022 form. That's I think that's fair to say. And really, when you're talking about Dylan Brown, was pretty much lost without him at this in the early part of the season. They've reunited. Dylan's form has picked up, and I think that's you know Sean Lane's presence has a bit to do with that. So we can't be entirely critical of of Sean, but. We, we haven't seen his impact. I think his timing just isn't quite there with his runs. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see if the timing's not quite right, you don't get you don't get as good a handle on the ball. Um, you know, so we've seen a few drops from Sean. Um, he's, he's just a fraction off the pace that he needs to be. So um, Wiramu, we're only getting about half an hour out of Wiramu. And Thankfully, what we do have is Ryan Madison in the sort of form that he's in. So when Maddo's been playing, 
he's been such a huge asset to the Eels. So, um, yeah, let's uh, he, he'll get he'll get the big minutes, and he'll you'll almost be able to transpose his minutes against um, that of Wiramu, and you can work out um, you know whatever minutes Wiramu doesn't play, that's where Maddo plays. So. I think it's. I think the balance is understandable there. So sticking um, with the forward sixties, Davy over Cartwright on that right edge. What's your read on that? Uh, it wasn't. It was a mixed bag for Andrew in his uh, sort of club redebut against the Titans. He ended up bagging that last try that got us right back into the hunt, but uh, had some struggles defensively down a right edge that admittedly got picked on once uh, Gufferson was put in the sin bin. I think what you saw there was maybe a bit of a lag from uh, where he's been in terms of defence. He, he fell out of our system in that moment. He um, overread a play. He's Look, I think, I think you've got to tr- be trusting the players inside and outside you, that they'll do their role. And I think he fell out of that in, um, in, in that early part of the game. Um, was... I expecting him to be selected so soon in the NRL team? No. Am I surprised that he was selected? Um, no. Uh, I'm not. I wasn't surprised because, as I spoke about before, if you make a mid-season signing, you're not you're not signing someone to play reserve grade. And they obviously had him targeted for a reason. Wanted to bring him in in the back row. Um, we assume from a defensive perspective, but you know what? Andy runs good, strong lines when he's carrying the ball. So, uh, yeah, not a surprise there. Um, Cardi's probably playing the best football of his career and maybe given how strong he played when he came onto the field last week and how strong he played the week before, maybe BA is warming to him being that impact player off the bench. And, you know, we, we've seen that he can be a bit more of a workhorse in the early part of the season, but how on song was his passing game last week, um, let alone the strength of his carry. So, you know, we, we might be, we might be on the verge of seeing, um, uh, Bryson in the best form of his career, certainly the most consistent form. Yeah, he's, the player uh, that might be a bit unlucky at the moment is Matt Dury. Yeah, he's he's gone back to Reggie's and he's been physical and he's he's had a lot of try involvements, both creating them and scoring them. So he's doing his job, and I, I think if he continues in that vein, he'll get a look back in uh, at some point. Uh, but yeah, it, it's kind of hard when you've got uh, Ryan Madison who's in thunderous form. I mean, like top of the competition sort of form. You look at his numbers and they're so gaudy in both effectiveness and efficiency. Uh, and then you've got uh, Bryce Cartwright, who's really putting it all together right now in this season, uh, balancing playing tough and physical with uh, some really great deft sleight-of-hand plays. So, yeah, it's, uh, the, the back row stocks really aren't that, uh, aren't that bad enough, Parramatta, which is funny because you go back to the start of the season and you're really cons- – like the plural you, including myself – we're all really concerned about how it might shake out. And now suddenly it's the middle forwards because there's no Reg and Junior's not at his best uh, where you you got big concerns. But Maddo's doing a great job alleviating that in his dual roles as an edge and middle. And 
uh, Wiram who's helping stimmy the bleeding to some degree with the fact that he's playing good football. Yeah, now I've just we've spoken about will we see the best from Junior Paulo against his old team. We also have two other players out there that are former Raiders in Josh Hodson and Bailey Simonson. I liked the form of Bailey Simonson last week. Yeah. I liked actually, the form of him at centre. Yeah, he actually looked there. looked good at centre. He was working hard from the ruck, uh, flashed a couple of times with a born hand, uh, and I think he was actually pretty good last time his deals and the Raiders met in Canberra. I think that was a bit of a breakout game for him as a Parramatta Real. Yeah, so I, I don't have any doubt that he will perform again this week um the question mark then becomes around josh hodson because he has not been able to produce as expected i had massively high expectations of him after the preseason. i put my hand up i i, I have really seen a, a pre-season of the standard that he produced and I, I wasn't on my own because all the media talk was of the players uh, gushing about what it's going to be like to play alongside Josh Hodson. And that was based on what they themselves were experiencing in the preseason. He simply hasn't been able to reproduce it in games. And for whatever reason, whether it be that physically he can't reproduce it, um, whether it be that from a confidence aspect, he can't reproduce it. But a lot of the talk now is, has BA got the minutes right in balancing um, Hodson and Hands, should um, Hands be starting the game and Hodgson come on and and provide uh, a bit of impact on either side of half time, and then um, then you get uh, Hands come back on for the end of the game. So he starts and ends the game with Hodgson in between on either side of half time. Um, should Hodgson be limited minutes at the start of the game before hands comes on and then stays on. Look, this is this is interesting because if we go back to the past, BA liked to play Reed Marnie for 80 minutes wherever possible. So what did that mean if he's playing Reed Marnie for 80 minutes? The most obvious thing. Well, you're... No, no interchanges. Yeah, you're saving interchanges, yeah, at, at the cost of vulnerability defensively, but uh, yeah, you're saving yourself at least one, maybe two interchanges. So this year already you're talking about instances where there is um, one more interchange around dummy half than had been used in the past. And if you get a scenario where we've had in at least one match, maybe two where Hodgson comes off, is replaced, then he comes on at the end of the game, you're talking about two interchanges where previously there had been none. So that's a big change in the uh, bench rotation straight away. I mean, that's a that then becomes a... If he goes for two changes, that means a quarter of the interchange happens around the dummy half position. And that probably flies in the face of what BA might prefer under normal circumstances to do. And we know that uh, BA uses his interchange differently to a number of other coaches. And and you haven't always been a fan of how BA has used um, the bench um, 40. And a lot, a lot of fans are probably even more highly critical of that. But um, 
yeah, I, I think it's going to be an interesting decision for him to make going forward because I suspect that Brendan Hands could play 80 minutes as he as he did in a match when um, Hodgson was unavailable through illness. So um, have you got any thoughts on that, mate? It's... Oh, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because you, you sign Hodgson to come in and be not not the you know the gear to get the eels over the hump, but you know to come in and be the the senior playmaker, the steady hand, the experienced vet. And we've said in the past, I don't think that Brennan Hands develops the way he does this year without Josh Hodgson coming to the club and and helping him, you know, learn the ropes to be a, a better uh, you know a better slash high quality dummy half. So that's a big net positive for the Parramatta Reels. But now we're in a situation where defensively uh, Hodgson is struggling. He, he's uh, leading the team in his tackles. We've spoken about that. And just the timing in, in the way he fits into our offense isn't quite working, is it? Uh, no. You know, we, it, in a way, it almost mirrors the, the Reed Marnie problem we had with uh, the fact that both Moses and Dylan uh, bore dominant halves. Even Dylan, who's not... Uh, you know the traditional first receiver. He is a ball dominant half. He likes running the ball, being the focal the focal point or the fulcrum for the attacking movement down his edge. Uh, whereas Hodgson is a more of a mix up uh, dummy half, where he'll you know sh- he'll service his halves, but also likes to get out and work with the forwards and uh, create some opportunities that way. But when you combine that with the fact that he's he's more than half a step slower now, uh, you know, unfortunately uh, with the ACL injury sustained last year, uh, whether it's like full-on long-term damage or just that he's inside that window of not being at your best physically recovering from that ACL the same way that Hayes is with his issues. Uh, it, it's just not working for him. And he can't engage the defence the way he likes to and create doubt in their minds as to whether he's going to run, where he's going to pass, where he's going to kick effectively. I don't think that we've seen him play his natural game as well. You, you mentioned there about having ball-dominant halves in, in Moses' and Brown, and you have Josh Hodgson, who is a playmaker dummy half, who, as you said, engages his uh, his, his forwards, who engages the defence um, to put his forwards through the line. It's almost like there's a, a slowness in service because if you watch, Hodgson doesn't so much snap the ball off the ground. He will stand and then maybe take a step or two and then deliver the ball, which is which is almost like half pie going into his old style of running and engaging defenders before delivering the ball off, which he did at the Raiders. But he's got halves that are demanding the ball as well. So uh, I think he's, he's spoken himself about, you know, got to get his combination right with... Um, with the, the rest of his team. And, you know, maybe it's something to do with that. Maybe he's just not sure. Like, he, his instinct is to, to, is to maybe um, take off a little bit more, but um, instead he's, it, it's like he's going to do that, but then he's, he's delivering a pass, and by then, you know, the pass is a little bit slower, and it's, it's not one thing nor the other. So... Maybe that's what has to be worked out. I, I'm not sure. I, I'd really have to study the tape. You'd have to. You'd probably have to be talking to him about what his thought processes are. You'd have to know what BA has been saying to him that he wants from him. Um, yeah, it's what we do know is it just hasn't been working. 
as it as we'd hoped it would. It hasn't been disastrous, but it hasn't it hasn't been a positive. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's the that's the main thing. It it just hasn't turned into a positive. Um, uh, but mate, we we should probably now jump into our tips for this week. So, um, yeah, what's your scoreline? Oh. I this is one where I'm gonna, as always, almost always, I'm gonna tip Parramatta, but with a real caveat that this is gonna be a hard one. Uh, and I've been tipping for big wins, and I just can't do that this week. Uh, no, Mitch Raiders playing a brand of football that is so disruptive to the Eels in any given week, but especially when they're struggling to chase the collisions and win on physicality. So I will go for the Eels to win, uh, but in a relatively tight affair, or maybe 20 points to 18, a real nail-biter. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go for – I can't avoid going for high scoring, you know, uh, close but high scoring. Eels 36-30. Ooh. Uh, I don't yeah. know which one's going to be worse for the heart, the heart and soul. Uh, yeah. Gosh. Um, yeah, so, I, yeah. I, I just don't have the confidence in the um, in the defence. Well, that... I, I'm concerned that this if the Eels win, it's going to be a tight one. But if the Raiders get ahead, they could really pile on the points. Yeah. Um, uh, first try scorer? Mike Acevo made a lot of sense last week, and we neither us tipped him. But um, it's going to be interesting to see because no Mitchell Moses. If they play with the high-hand Dylan Brown, you'd tip someone down the left edge, so Sevo's a fair shout, but maybe Bowie Simonson. Oh, you've just stolen my thunder, mate. I'm I'm going for the uh, backing the the uh, the player against playing against his old team to get the first try scorer. Mm-hmm. So Bailey Simonson and your best on field. I know a lot of people are looking at Dylan Brown. I expect him to build on what happened last week. But again he almost seems like the obvious answer here. So I mean, Matt is also a cheating answer too. So a player, maybe Bryce Cartwright. I think uh, in the absence of Moses, he might help uh, create the, the some of our best offensive play uh, through the right edge in the middle. Mate, I hinted at it before. I'm expecting a big return to form from Junior Paulo with a, uh, a point to prove um, to uh, critics and also up against his uh, some of his old teammates. Okay, well, mate... I think we're just about wrapped up. Just that other reminder again that we'll see you down at uh, in Jack's Bar and Grill at Parramatta Leagues Club on Saturday night. So come and join us to cheer on the team down there. And again, a thanks to our sponsors, Big Swing Golf, North Mead, and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norellan, and Parramatta for their support and making it possible for us to deliver the content that we do on the Cumberland Throw. Any last words, mate? Well, I'll see you tomorrow, mate. Looking forward to bagging uh, a few wins against the Camper Raiders. Yeah, go you wheels.